I had the good fortune of sitting and talking with him yesterday, and I like the way he describes himself. First of all, his name is Randy Pennington. He is a self-described organizational and leadership nerd who helps leaders deliver positive results in a world of uncertainty and change. He is a 25-plus performance veteran whose past clients range from household names such as International Monetary Fund and Hyatt Hotels to small startups. He's the author of three books, Results Rule, Make Change Work, and On My Honor, I Will. And he's been on multitudes of national and international media. Now, I had my questions ready for Randy yesterday until I talked to him, and now I've got so many more. So this is going to be a rich, oh, 27 minutes or so that we have. First of all, good morning, Randy. It's good to have you here. Good morning, Will. How are you? It's great to be with you. And like a few of you, I have my warm cup of coffee here this morning, too. That is one of the common things of the regular jump starters is when I ask for who's grateful for what, it's usually coffee. It's usually so. coffee. That's right. It's I, I'm in I'm on the central time zone. It's 7 a.m. here. So I'm grateful for a cup of coffee this morning. Bless your heart. Where are you in the central time zone? I am in the Dallas, Texas area. Oh, okay. I'm coming to Dallas a few times in the next several months to speak. So just different clients hired me to come right. here. Well, that's wonderful. Tell us, I want to jump right in because I wanted to focus on change, but one of the things that you talked about yesterday that I want to get into, everybody is like, after the pandemic, after the great shakeup of the great migration, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, we are going to come back to a new normal. But you say there is not going to be a new normal, only a new next. Help us understand. Right. So, so the idea, th first off, thanks for having me so much. The, the idea around new normal is that we get to a place, Will, of being able to be certain with some high degree of certainty about what's coming next. And see, I think that's the thing that's changed right now uh, because the new next mentality is I'm probably never going to be 100% comfortable again. Now, if you think of uncertainty as normal, then I guess, right, you've got your new normal there. But we are entering a world where there's a heightened degree of uncertainty. And it's not just the pace of change. It's the rate, the amount of change that's going on that's creating that, that challenge for us. Give us some examples. The reason I say that is that I think someone might have said the same thing 10 years ago. However, however I think that is far truer today. Well, actually, you know, interestingly enough, uh, when I wrote Make Change Work, you know, eight or nine years ago, I guess now, um, almost 10, I said the exact same thing. I said the world is moving toward faster, better, cheaper, friendlier. The pace of change is as slow as it's ever going to be again. Um, and then I was reminded, I get to work with uh, MBA students at Southern Methodist University, as well as my consulting and speaking clients, just like you. And, you know, one of, one of them told me one time I made that statement and one of them raised their hand and said, well, you know, we have a different word for the pace of change today. And I said, OK, what's that? And they said, it's normal. 
Um, mm. So the pace of change is relative, I think, to what we're used to. And that that's something that we all have to get our head around. But right now, there's also the rate of change. So many things are changing at one time. First, the demographics are changing. Uh, I mean, we all know that the generational changes are happening. Uh, but this is a big deal. The, the, there was a book came out in the late 90s called The Fourth Turning that talked about every four generations, the upheaval that happens with that. The last time this happened was when we baby boomers became uh, started entering adulthood. Well, now we're exiting and there's a new fourth generation. That's happening. Technology. Uh, we all know technology changes us, but we change and we change technology simultaneously. But we're entering a new phase with cloud computing and artificial intelligence. And, you know, I was reading yesterday that uh, one of the changes that they're expecting in the next 10 years is that computer programming, you're not going to have to be able to write code anymore. Uh, all you have to be able to do is talk to people. So that's going to open up things. Wow, that's fascinating. Change. Yeah, geopolitical change. We're experiencing that right now. Um, and then we all know the issues around society and values and you know, all of my clients with offshore, uh, you know, international clients that are globalized are all now looking at how do we bring things back onshore, the supply chain issues that are going on right now. It's going to change uh, how we work. And it's really sort of this is some people look at it and go, oh, my gosh, I look at it and I wish I was 30 years younger because the next 30 years are going to be a heck of a ride. Heck of a ride in a good way, heck of a ride in a challenging way, or both in your opinion? Uh, it could be either. It, you know, right? But, but that's the exciting point, is that it really is up to us uh, as individual leaders, uh, both of our families and ourselves and our communities and our organizations. It's up to us to determine whether or not we make this uh, a heck of a ride in a good way, a heck of a ride in a bad way. Um, it kind of comes down to the choices that we make and the actions that we take. It's pretty much the way it's always been. It's that concept of, is the bird in your hand alive or dead? Well, it's in your hands. Um, it, as you can see above our heads, it says the messy middle of change. And you and I were talking about that yesterday because change is one of those things that people say they hate they oh i don't do well with change i i hear so many people say that and yet when it comes to their relationships or their life in general they crave change and you talk about that transition is the messy middle of change help us understand well first off i want to go back i have to credit there was um a book written by a guy named william bridges years ago it was one of the when i first started my journey into change and change management and by the way i don't think we have a change management issue we have a change leadership issue we don't know how to lead change well but i, I ran across this book called transitions by william bridges and in the book he says it's not the change that do you that does you in it's the transitions and this goes back to, uh, there was a guy named Kurt Lewin years and years ago, a sociologist and psychologist, the founder of social psychology, who said all change happens in three ways. Uh, you unfreeze something, you change it, then you refreeze it. Well, if you look at that from a transition standpoint, there's the ending of what we knew. There's the new beginning of what we're going to be. 
endings are uncomfortable, but we typically get into endings. There's that transition in the middle when we're not good at change, when it's, it sort of feels like being out in the stranded in the middle of um, the freeway. You're, you're in the island in the middle of the freeway. There's cars going on both ways, 80 miles an hour, and you can't go back and you can't go forward. And that's a little bit of what that being in the middle is because it's uncomfortable. We're not good at it. We, um, you know, we're not sure we haven't yet developed new habits. All those things um, make change in the middle very, very messy. Uh, if you go back and look, by the way, Will, at organizations, um, there's typically a kickoff, right? A big change project will be a kickoff. Uh, then at the end, we all have the celebration. It's in the middle where things get crazy uh, because we're, we're trying to have so many moving parts. And that's because the middle of change before we develop a new habit around it is always uncertain. And the term I use is messy. I was in radio for decades, and <clears throat> during that time, the FCC made changes that you could go from 777, 7AM, 7 7FM, 7 7TV, 7 you could own to basically unlimited. And so the stations that I was at were constantly being sold. And the first time, the change was a huge, was a huge thing, knowing it was coming. But as you say, it was the transition in between. Finally, we would refreeze it, and everything would be fine. And then we would get sold again. And it almost feels like globally we're dealing with that kind of change. Absolutely. And you, you said that we have two potential fee, uh, futures. So talk about uh, the global change as well as the potential. Well, by the way, first off, one of the challenges is for right now, as you mentioned, you had a chance to refreeze. There's, there's less opportunity to refreeze right now. And that's that's what again makes us. That is a leave. good point. That yeah. is a very. good, It never feels quite like we've got our feet back under us before something big happens. And and the way I thought about it, it will is you know we want it to refreeze, but really what we end up with is sort of like Jello tacked to the wall, um, and it's sort of solid, but it's not. And and that that's and and so that makes us uncomfortable in it increases that chance, that uh, feeling of uncertainty. I mean, globally, I think when you look at the changes that are happening, back to your question, um, one of the things that I've, I've studied over the last two years is the pandemic didn't really change that much. It only accelerated it. So everything that we are experiencing, the great resignation, it was coming. Baby boomers were going to leave the workplace sooner or later. Um, you know, all the things that we're experiencing are there. How do you, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I just wanted to find out more. Uh, they were going to leave because of getting old and retiring, et cetera. Not, not like en masse as it's right. happening. Yeah, they, would, they, they, they would eventually, baby boomers will eventually leave the workplace. Um, and it's natural peace. I mean, the generation before us left. Now, baby boomers are leaving less often. Uh, and up until the pandemic, at a slower rate, um, you know, we we boomers sort of embody that, you know, uh, don't go quietly into the good night mentality. I yes. Guess. 
but you know, sooner or later it's going to happen, right? Now it's going to be different. We're going to have new jobs. We're going to have new careers. Changes in health means that we're more vital for longer in our lives. Uh, you know, I look forward to years and years and years more of getting to do what I do. But um, there's a new generation coming in. They will become the majority of the world. And that is going to create global change uh, in how they look at the world. By the way, just, just as it did when baby boomers finally came into control. Uh, so, I mean, globally, we're, we're going to see that. Um, you know, as living in the United States, growing up here, having democracy in my blood, so to speak, uh, I, I get concerned globally that we're moving back toward uh, less freedom rather than more freedom. But also when I look at history, Will, one of the things that I've noticed is that's a, that's a cycle that happens periodically. Um, the one thing that does scare me, though, is that the United States has a choice that's coming very quickly about how we're going to deal with education, how we're going to deal with the big issues that face the world, whether it be climate change or anything else. Uh, are we going to remain the leader of the world? Are we, are, are we going to be one of many leaders of the world? And that really comes down to the choices we make as lead, uh, that are made as leaders. By the way, I'm seeing a question from Marge. Let me just jump in right quick. Um, why has change so hard as we get older? Um, yeah, Marge, I think you're right. Change does get harder as we get older because we start, it, it takes effort, first off. Our brain does change the way it functions. I mean, you think of a child, a, a two or three-year-old child, every day is a brand new day for them. Uh, and so they're looking at the world uh, in a very curious way. As we get older, unfortunately, sometimes we lose our curiosity. And that's one of the things that uh, I hope we all can maintain because the curiosity of what could be different um, is what keeps us alive and fresh and relevant. Reminds me of a quote from Wayne Dyer, don't let an old person move into your body. And I'm 62, I'll be 63 in six months, and my grandmother died of old age at 63. So, yeah, the world is definitely changing. Ed has a comment as well. Let me call this up. For some, change is easy. What we find difficult is commitment, steadfastness, divisiveness, follow through, et cetera. Do you have any comments on that? Well, first off, Ed, you're right. Um it's changing is easy. The, the maintaining the change is the hard part. Um, by the way, we see that all the time when we decide to start, you know, all of a sudden we decide to go to the gym and get healthy. Uh, you know, the, the decision to go to the gym is easy. The decision to keep going to the gym is the hard part. And, um, you know, I, I take that back to, you know, what makes us want to change. And the idea that I've, used for a number of years to think about this is intellectual understanding is easy. Knowing that we need to change is easy. The emotional readiness to actually take action and change and follow through, that's the hard part. 
And by the way, if you, you know, we all know that we should eat healthier than we ate today, exercise more than we eat today or than we do today. Uh, all those things we know intellectually, it's the emotional readiness. And so for all of us, and this, by the way, Will, that's why I was so excited to be here about in, from a jumpstart standpoint. The jumpstart from, in my mind, is, you know, are we going to wait on crisis, which is unfortunately what most people do, or are we willing to move toward opportunity and get really excited about opportunity? When we focus on that, then we follow through more often. And that is such a beautiful distinction because often change is thrust upon us. It is not something that we actively seek. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, COVID, political instability, it just, it keeps hitting us, right? It, it absolutely. And, and so there's, by the way, there's always going to be a piece of adapting, right? We have to adapt quick. Um, I've been married for 33 years now. When I got married, my wife said to me, Randy, I'll never ask you to change, but I do expect that you'll continually adapt. And what so, a great comment. You know, it was, a plus, it what's, your, what's your wife's name? My wife's name is Mary. A plus to Mary. That's a good one. Yeah. And so there's, by the way, for a lot of folks, that's the one thing they'll take away. They'll tell their spouse or partner or significant other at the end of the day. Um, but there's always going to be that. But that's only one piece of change. That's easy. That's uh, who moved my cheese or my iceberg is melting kind of change. There are, there are changes that we also need to pursue, and there are changes that we also, if we're quite honest, should ignore. Sorry, I was typing what Mary okay. said, and I was going to say, how so? What, what do you mean the, that we need to ignore? All right, so Steve Jobs, for example, uh, wrote that, uh, or said in his um, biography, um, of all the things they've done at Apple, the, the, some of the things he's most was most proud of were the things they decided not to do. Mm, got it. So there are changes that come at us uh, that we ignore. So uh, in our world, Will, for example, um, how many how many of our colleagues do you know that jumped on um, a new technology that they thought was going to drive their business forward? A lot. And, yeah. And then it was like, it made no difference at all and actually detracted them from what they thought they ought to be doing. That is one of the great challenges as a speaker, Randy, is that there are so many programs out there. They're going to teach you how to speak, how to get on stage. And I've spent tens of thousands of dollars. Some are good. Some are not. Right. But I mean, there's, so there's some things, I mean, what was the, what was the one that the, the, the room thing that everybody did for a while. That was the, that was the. Oh yes, yes, yes. Like zoom rooms or something like yeah, that. Yeah. But I mean, everybody rooms. was doing this sort of thing that was sort of going to be the next version of podcasting and live and all yes. this. And, and it was kind of like, I, I saw a lot of people invest in that and they should have stayed focused on what they were doing. Um, I see it in, I mean, I have clients right now that are, are looking at things in their business and they're thinking, well, we could do all these cool new things. Well, no, what we really need to do is get focused on the few things that matter rather than the infinite number of things that you could split your time on. So there, there, there are times when we have to decide not to change. You know, the, 
the, the comment earlier on about being steadfast, that's important. Once mm -hmm. we understand the true values that we believe in, once we understand the true purpose and vision, you can change your tactics, but you shouldn't change your purpose. And that sometimes I see people changing their purpose or changing their uh, philosophy. What that really tells me is they probably never had a strong purpose to begin with. Right, right. If you're changing it based on situations. And when you were talking about Steve Jobs, one of the things I remember from his bio is after John Scully got him kicked out and he started NEXT Computers and then Apple was one quarter away from insolvency, they brought him back. And the first thing he did was go went from 23 items in their product line down to three. He said, we cannot focus on 23 things. And I find that when people want to make a change, let's go to New Year's Eve and everybody says, they don't just say, I'm going to lose 10 pounds this year. They say, I'm going to lose 10 pounds, quit smoking, go to the gym, blah, 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 blah. And then we lead to overwhelmment. So how do we avoid in that transition being overwhelmed? Uh, first off, I think it's the realization. That's a great example, both of jobs and what we do at New Year's Eve. I, I think it's stepping back and looking at what really do we have the capacity to do? And, you know, one of the things that I've talked to a lot of my clients about in planning right now is that one of the big challenges they have is capacity, whether it's supply chain or people or product or whatever that might be. Well, humans have capacity, too. So if you say in your brain, I'm going to lose weight, quit smoking, uh, go to the gym, da -da 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 -da, all those things are important, but they're really all about how do I get healthy? Oh, what a, what a great condensation. Right. And so if we, if we stop thinking about this, I have to do all these things. No, I have to get healthy. Now, everything, so healthy is the goal. Everything else is the tool. And one of the, one of the problems that we have is very often as humans, we, we turn tools into goals. I don't Interesting. Know if that makes sense or not. Yes, I love it. I think it's. I think it's really, really. By the way, I see companies right. do that all the time. How so? Um, you know, for example, uh, remember when qual the quality movement went through every company around, right? Yes. Yeah. Every company, like after in search of excellence. Right after Peters in search of excellence, yeah. TQM, and then Deming came out, and all, everybody was doing quality, and right. they all thought having a quality problem program is the goal. No, right. quality is the tool. Making great products is the goal. I uh, think, I think of, I think it was in the art of war, uh, the concept of, which I always love to quote from I'm tying two things together about Mike Tyson says that everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the mouth. And in the art of war, Swan Tzu talks about you train your, you call out your battle plan, but what they need to do is know the ultimate end goal should the battle plan not work. And I noticed that one of our viewers is, has a question sorted to that. And it's hard thinking about our end games, says Linda, figuring out what and when to let others take over for us to not have the input of leadership. What are your thoughts on that? It is hard because we don't like to give up control, Linda. And I suspect, I don't know if you're that way. I'm a little bit that way too. You know, if you've ever found yourself saying it's just easier to do it myself. Um, 
and, and or you don't like to give up control. Entrepreneurs are noted for that. Uh, it's a sustainability issue for me, Linda. And I think your your take on it is perfect, is figuring out when and how to let people take over. I think about, again, the sustainability of the business um, and the sustainability of the business. If I'm thinking about that as an entity, not just me, but as an entity, I'm, I'm concerned about that, then, then we really owe it to the people that we uh, have on our team. We owe it to the customers that we serve to be able to make the business happen without us. And I'll give you a, I'll give you a great example. Please do. Yes. Um, I have this client right now that I've been working with for two, a little over two years. We are going through this intense transformation. He comes back today from vacation for two weeks, um, which is fine. But the thing is that happened that really caused him to get nervous about what was going on is he said, this is the first time I've been gone on vacation before, but it's the first time I've been out of touch. You see, he's been on a boat for two weeks with no internet to speak of. And now he, and, and so he found himself, you know, it was like not having your morning coffee. He was a little bit jumpy because of that. And, and it, it really reinforced the message is if we're doing what's best for our people and for the business, then we don't make our um, organizations have to depend on us to get things done. It, the, the joy becomes as leaders in seeing other people evolve and grow into those leadership positions. Which is funny because when you talk to people about starting a business, you know, this is one of the big goals people have. I'm going to start my own business and they start their own business and with some luck and hard work, they do pretty well. And then as the, what got them there is not going to take them to the next level. They need to set aside being a jack of all trades and ultimately turn things over, which is what I think they had in mind when they said they wanted to start their own business. They weren't saying, I want to be up at night worrying about payroll and everything else. Well, yeah. And, and you know, interestingly enough, I think maybe they didn't think about those things. Um, you know, one of the things that I've seen, and and I have a couple, I have a couple of small groups of um, small company CEOs that are founders that I work with, and one of the things that I see is when they start a bit, when most people start a business, um, they're thinking about it not from starting a business, but a lot of start businesses thinking about I want a better job. Hmm. I you know uh, I I started my own business quote thirty something years ago, but I was a partner in a consulting firm before that. You know, I, I wasn't thinking about starting a business. I was just thinking about my partners or people I don't want to work with anymore. Mm. Uh, and so, you know, I, I have plumbers that say, you know, uh, I was a great plumber and I figured out that I could have a truck and do it myself and charge less money and make charge less and make more. And, you know, all. so I think one of the challenges that we have is in that and making that change is thinking through. What all is going to, what does that all really mean? And yet I think we'll never fully grasp everything. And that's our oh, growth yeah. edge. Yeah, that's right. We never fully grasp it. I want to remind you again, my guest is Randy Pennington, his URL, his website, penningtongroup.com. And this is your chance to like, comment, 
share. This is how we build this positive online community. Randy, thank you so much. I hope, are you going to be at Influence this year? Uh, I'm going to be there for part of it. I will not be there for all of it. I have some, fortunately, I have some work to do that week. So I will be there for a piece of it. I hope I get to see you. Same here. Just look for the ball guy walking. Oh, wait, there'll be several of them. There'll be several. There'll be several. Well, thank you so much, Randy. And uh, continued best of luck to you. And you've really opened our brains a bit here. Thanks a lot. Good. My pleasure. Have a great weekend. You too. Enjoy today. No more, no more complaining people. Their lives are changing. We're flying high, creating a complaint-free world. No more, no more complaining people. Their lives are changing. We're flying high.